Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. The cream of the crop. Final move. Realest guys in the room. How you doing? Do I have everybody's attention now? This is the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, Scotty Wrestling. This week is another pretty eventful week as we had Stardom's 10th anniversary show, um, SmackDown Raw, AEW, and NXT began their Women's Dusty Rhodes Classic. But along with that, I will also be discussing my Voices of Wrestling ballot for Match of the Year in 2020. That will be at the end of the show, so sit back, relax, and let's get this thing going. I want to kick off this week going in order, so let's talk SmackDown. SmackDown was another good show, as it always is. We had the incredible Ding Dong Hello talk show hosted by Bailey, the first one ever. And in that talk show, she challenged Bianca Belair to an obstacle course this week. To me, that's just all entertainment. Um, Bailey continues to flourish in this role and I think it's good to see that she's able to do it without the title because that was my number one worry going into her not having the belt and she's you know raising up Bianca alongside her which is really good Um, Bianca's a star in the making and when I go over my Royal Rumble predictions next week you will see how much I believe in her but we will be getting obstacle course this week last as you know by now, um, Adam Pierce versus Roman Reigns was the set match for the Royal Rumble, and Friday was supposed to be the contract signing. And it kind of lasted all throughout the show. Reigns continuously added stipulations to aid him and make Adam Pierce pay. I believe we landed on last man standing. So this should be excellent, but. After Roman Reigns and Pierce signed, Reigns was happy as can be, but Adam Pierce said he was waiting all night for that to happen. And you could see the confusion on Reigns' face because why would he want this? Like, Roman Reigns is on the top of his game. He's not going to beat him. But as he's walking up the ramp, Pierce acts as though his knee is injured and that is when he reminded Reigns on all WWE contracts, card is subject to change. This is when Kevin Owens walked out, signed the contract, and made it official that at the Royal Rumble, Kevin Owens will face Roman Reigns one more time for the Universal Championship in a last man standing match. It should be excellent. And what they did a few years ago in the Alamo Dome was another one of those matches that was excellent. And it was rules reversed, so I'm very excited to see what they can do here. Uh, their match at TLC was great. And I'm, I'm quite excited for this. The Royal Rumble's really building up to be a great show. You know, because we have the two Rumble matches, this, and, I, and uh, McIntyre and Goldberg, which, you know, is a whole conversation in itself. 
uh, which we'll discuss next week. But that's a good way to transition to Raw, where I don't think I can I can take this show much longer. It gets worse every single week. This week we had the Alexa Bliss uh, 12 characters where she kind of just crushed Asuka, the Raw Women's Champion. And clearly this is leading to a match between the two. Uh, it should be at the Rumble. There's no reason that Alexa needs to be in the Rumble now. That she just destroyed Asuka in the middle of the ring. She should automatically get a title match. And I think that's the way we're going to go. Uh, Randy Orton had a mask on and his burned face. If he's going to wrestle in this, then it'll be hilarious. Um, yeah, Raw's just bad. Raw is, I say it every week, Raw sucks. And I don't mean to be um, one to complain because, you know, I, I designed the show to celebrate the good of wrestling. But this, there's nothing good. There's nothing good about Raw except the Ricochet versus AJ Styles match. So they've done this thing in the past two weeks where, like, certain people can't just say, I'm in the Royal Rumble match. Uh, Drew, Drew Gulak was the one, and now Ricochet. And they had to fight AJ Styles to get in. And AJ Styles won both times. But this match between him and Ricochet... Might have been the WWE match of the year to this point. And, I mean, that's not saying much. They've only had television, so it's not going crazy. But uh, Ricochet Ricochet showed how good he was. And I think that's a lost, lost on a lot of people is how good he can be. Because, you know, WWE has put him away, essentially, since last year when he lost to Brock. Um, when he's fighting for the WWE Championship. So, I'm, I'm happy to see Ricochet get this shine, but he's still lost. He won't be in the Royal Rumble. Um, and the ending was very cool. Uh, Styles, like, suplexed him onto the rope. He popped off the rope, caught him. Styles, Clash, one, two, three. Um, I recommend you go out of your way to watch this. Um, in my match ratings, I believe I gave this match a, wait for it, 3.5. 3.5 out of 5. Not a bad rating, especially for me. I'm very... I'm unique with my ratings. Um, I only have 5 matches, 4 and above this year so far. And I've watched 45. So, 3.5 is very good. You should definitely go out of your way to see it. And... I don't know what they can do to fix Raw. Goldberg being champion ain't it, buddy. Um... Maybe bring up Rhea Ripley and help that women's division. Uh, definitely not keep doing stuff with The Fiend and Alexa Bliss. They are, how do I say this? They've run their course. Um, this character, The Fiend's character has long run its course. Alexa was a drop of savior. Uh, Bliss was a drop of savior for about a month. I don't know that. And we are now back to it being insufferable. And I would kill it immediately. I would end it right now because Bliss and Wyatt, they're great competitors in their own rights. But this supernatural, can't-be-beaten character is just, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work in today's wrestling world. Maybe it did once upon a time. He's, he's uh, far past his time. 
And I think that's a lot of Raw's problem. A lot of the Raw story and build every week has to do with the Wyatt, Fiend, Firefly, Bliss stuff. Much like SmackDown revolves around Roman Reigns. To me, you have the best story on one show, and that's the best show in Roman Reigns. And you have the worst story, the Fiend crap, on Raw. So, it goes hand in hand. And, to me... It needs tent because Raw's getting to a point where it's it's unwatchable for most people. I'll keep watching it because that's just what I do, but it is it is far far beyond. Like I can't redeem stuff every single week. Like luckily we got Ricochet versus AJ Styles, and we got a little vintage Styles in this match, but really outside of that, it was a tough watch and. They need a revamp, refresh somewhere, because SmackDown is kicking ass. NXT's doing just fine. Raw is just so bad. It's just so bad. But, you know what, let's move on to stardom, because that is what is good with the world of professional wrestling. Um, so, I only got to watch one match from the 10th anniversary so far this week, because I was preparing my... Um, Voices of Wrestling Match of the Year ballot. So I had to watch some back some matches. Didn't get a chance to watch more than uh, Julia versus Natsuka Tora, but I'm okay with that because to me this match was fantastic. Um, I don't. I know this this match has kind of had some mixed feelings, but for the most part, very positive feelings, and I think that's the only way I expected it to go because. When, you know, they had the no rules, I knew Natsuko was going to be in her element, which is great. And Julia, Julia's best match to me in stardom is the one she had with Hana Kimura, and that was an absolute brawl. So I had a lot of hope going into this one, and for me it delivered. I gave it a four, which is probably high for a lot of people, but I thought it was, I thought it was great. It's, it's pure entertainment, and it's... It leads to a thought that there could be another match down the road because Julia's goal was to show that Natsuko didn't need the weapons and the no DQ to be successful and live up to regular wrestling standards. She's good enough to do that, and I feel like we could get another match between these two, and I hope we do because... I like their chemistry inside the ring, and I think Natsuko deserves deserves that title. And I, as I think here, who could beat Julia for the white belt? She's Natsuko's at the top of my list still, and I, I I felt I felt for a lot of the fans on Twitter because Natsuko has a lot of fans, and you know I I understand this pain because I've been a, I'm a Huge fan of Momo Watanabe, and she had a tough year in 2020 in terms of success. And Natsuko didn't have great success either. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the Natsuko fans that she does end up getting gold around her waist sooner rather than later. I really am. Um, speaking of Momo, the funniest video of all time uh, aired this week in like a 
I don't know what it was necessarily. It was like a press conference kind of thing between Momo and Siri for their match coming up at the end of the month for the SWA title. And they were doing rock, paper, scissors, shoe with a hammer in front of them. And Momo loses rock, paper, scissors, shoe and just absolutely destroys, destroys Siri with the hammer. It's my favorite video of all time. Like, it, it, it's untouchable in terms of entertainment. I watch it and watch it. I watch it every single day because it's just so good. And if you haven't watched it yet, it's on my Twitter, at Scotty Russell. Check it out there. It's on Stardom's Twitter. Like, it's it's the greatest video of all time. you got to check it out. But, yeah, Stardom brought us a lot of happiness this weekend. And we will talk more about Stardom in the Match of the Year ballot because you guys know my top five, but you don't know my top ten, and I want to share that with you. So let's get on to AEW this week. Um, AEW was celebrating Brody Lee Jr.'s birthday, negative one. And it was fantastic. So they had the opening match between uh, Luther, Serpentico, TH2, and and they faced the Dark Order and Hangman Page. And I I was wrong. Uh, I just think it was about a month ago. I was at, very upset with the what they were doing with Hangman Page, but. I've learned quickly that his teamwork with Alex Reynolds and John Silver is actually very good. Uh, the way they finished this match was clean as hell. Um, when So Silver got, I don't remember who, they, it might have been, I don't remember who they were pinning. Um, we're going to go with in Helico, but I really don't remember. Uh, so Silver got him in like uh, full Nelson. Hangman does the lariat, putting him into a suplex, and Alex Reynolds does this brilliant pin for the three count. It was beautiful. you got to watch it to understand what I'm saying. And then after the match, Brody Jr. throws the uh, papers at Serpentico, which was awesome, much like his dad. And he also cracked him with the uh, kendo stick, which is kind of his signature now. And it was really entertaining. And after the match is when John Silver is, like, gushing over Hangman. He's like, will you will you join the Dark Order? And they have, like, this big celebration. Confetti goes off and all that. But Hangman says no. And what they're doing with Hangman is very interesting. So he his reasoning was he did the whole group thing. It didn't work out very well for him. And... He's trying to find his way. He's trying to find his way after the big loss to Kenny Omega. Um, he's had two big losses in the past year plus for the AEW World Championship. And him losing to his former tag team partner couldn't have felt great. His tag team partner, who after they lost the titles, pretty much gave up on him. So I'm continuously intrigued by what we're doing with Hangman because Hangman really is the man. Um,. Hangman's one of my favorite wrestlers to watch right now. And I'm happy that they're building this story. He deserves a story. And that's that. Um, so what we was announced today as of this recording was that Sting and Darby Allen will be teaming up at AEW Revolution in a street fight versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. 
This will be Sting's first match since the what we thought was career-ending match against Seth Rollins in 2015. Yeah, I think 2015. Um, so this is, we don't know. Uh, Street Fight, if it's theatrical, not theatrical, cinematic, then it makes all the sense in the world of how they're doing this. But Street Fight could easily just be a regular match. So I can imagine Sting not taking any crazy bumps, at least in front of people. And I'm interested to see where this goes. Revolution should be a good show based off how they're building it. And I'm excited for it. Now, let's talk the elite story that we have going on here. So, you know, as last week happened, Don Callis pretty much won up the Young Bucks and switched them with the Good Brothers as the elite. And this week, the Young Bucks went to Kenny's house, and Don Callis was there. Kenny couldn't show up. And this is where we saw the Young Bucks get angry because Don Callis was essentially trying to buy them off and tell them to pretty much go away. Go away. Uh, Kenny needs to just be on his own. And they were like, no. And the camera cut. And we ended up seeing Kenny, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson beat down Pentagon in the back. And this then was announced that at Beach Break, we were getting Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. Against John Moxley, Pac, and Phoenix. But next week, but next week, we are getting the Young Bucks and Good Brothers teaming up against the Dark Order. So there's a lot going on here, and it's very interesting to see how that works out next week because, you know, it, it, the Young Bucks haven't been mad at the Good Brothers necessarily. It's been their anger towards Don Callis. So I'm very interested to see how they work together. And the Dark Order is undefeated this year, I believe. So that'll be even another interesting thing. But Beach Break is looking like a great show. And I don't know how much sooner it is than Revolution, but I'm very excited for Beach Break. And my final thing here on AEW is that the Inner Circle has become trash. The, it's almost unwatchable at times for me because, like, I don't care. I don't. Um, Satana Ortiz, I talked about them last week and how much better they deserve. And that reigns through to this week because MJF and Chris Jericho ended up being the tag team of the Inner Circle when they won. And, I mean, that was expected, don't get me wrong. But, like, what is the plan here? I need to understand what the plan is here. For me to under for for me to get behind this because Ortiz and Santana have been treated so poorly since they got to AEW, they haven't been treated as a serious tag team like they should be, and they're one of the best tag teams they have. So I'm ready for the inner circle to break up at any time. Anyone that enjoys this, good for them. I'm not gonna say this is the worst thing ever. If you like it, you like it. You know, you like what you like, but. For me, it's just it's just trash. It's not entertaining anymore. Um, it feels like a waste of talent too, continuously week after week after week. So, hopefully, hopefully, we can move on from this inner circle stuff and 
Santana Ortiz can get their shine sooner rather than later. Let us move on to NXT, and we have some big news regarding the black and yellow brand. Um, on the bump this Wednesday, they revealed the Dusty Rhodes Classic bracket for the women. And there were three names I've never heard before. And I was like, oh, that's weird. They just put in like three random talents in for quick wins. And then I learned who they were. And I was like, oh, no, they're three new signees. So Lacey Ryan, um, I believe she's been on the United Wrestling Network. Elena Black, who has competed in multiple companies, including AEW on AEW Dark, and the most well-known name of the three, Priscilla Kelly. Priscilla Kelly, the former uh, fiancé of of TNT champion Darby Allin, but even more so, a very popular wrestler on the independent scenes. She was one of the more well-known women wrestlers out there. That weren't wasn't signed. Um, she had she's very good with her character work, and she's good in the ring. So, very excited to see her, um, Black and Ryan get added to the NXT Women's Division. It only gets better from here, and it it almost has to make you think that we're gonna see at least one or two women go up for good. Uh, Rhea Ripley, please. And, you know, they, they just retool and re-go. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing what these three can do. Uh, Priscilla and Black will be teaming against Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. And that match will actually be going down in 205 Live. So if you hear this recording on Friday, it's tonight. If you hear this recording on the other day, it already happened. And I will be checking out 205 Live this week. You should too. Because... Also, after the fight pit on NXT, Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa have entered the ranks of the Dusty Classic after Adonis, um, Ashante the Adonis, and I don't remember the other guy's name, where it had to be removed because Karrion Cross injured them, and Thatcher and Ciampa, virtual respect after the fight pit, are now a team. And they will be fighting Tony Nese and Arya Davari. So, that should be something. Um, Champa and Thatcher ended up having a very good fight pit match. They had a very good feud overall. Um, you know, after a while, I wasn't, like, huge on it. But it, 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 got, it won me over. And now they're a team. Who knows where this can go. But they were both kind of directionless until they met. They feuded with each other, so... I'm interested to see how they team. Uh, the fight pit was good, though, and you should check that out. And the only other thing I want to talk about in NXT was the great tag matches that we saw. We saw The Way, Johnny Gargano, and Austin Theory face off with Kushida and Leon Ruff. Uh, Kushida and Leon Ruff pulled off the upset, moving on to the next round, and they will face the Grizzled Young Veterans while... Excuse me. Um... Lucha House Party shocked everyone, and they defeated Imperium. But maybe the biggest thing from that match was that Imperium saw Alexander Wolf return. 
Um, he walked out onto the stage, did the Imperium pose, they did it back, and we cut away. So, we don't know what this means. Could Walter be on his way eventually? We'll have to find out. But it's very... It's very in- interesting to see where this goes. Um, I'm hoping this means the regrowth of Imperium as a group somehow in some way. But, you know, we don't have the answers yet. We're just going to have to wait and see. Um, and then the women's, the first women's match, uh, tag match, making history as the first Dusty Classic match. Saw Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro take on Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez. And Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez had to be favorites. They had to be. But I had a feeling that it would be Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro moving on. They were one of the real tag teams in this this tournament. And they ultimately won when Io Shirai returned to NXT to take out Mercedes, leaving Tony Storm to her own. And that's when Casey Canzaro hit this crazy, like, Phoenix Splash type thing. Um, she kind of, like, landed in a leg drop. I mean, I don't know if she knew exactly what she was doing, but it looked pretty cool. Um, they picked up the win, the upset of the tournament so far. And what we know now is that they will face either... Aaliyah and Jesse Camilla, not going to happen. Or Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. So they will be facing Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Because if that doesn't happen, then something went terribly wrong. Um, but yeah, this tournament, these two tournaments are really producing some great television for NXT right now. And I, I'm so happy they're doing them next to each other. Hoping that the finals, both finals, either happen to take over or the title matches happen to take over. That would be how I would draw it up. But it, it looks like we're on the way for the finals to take place to take over. So that should be very good. And finally, the final segment of this week. It's a short week because next week's Royal Rumble week. That's the big one. That's the big one. And I plan to have a special guest. So stay tuned for that. But we will talk my Voice of the Wrestling Match of the Year ballot for 2020. Um, if you are on wrestling Twitter, you've probably seen a lot of people share theirs and it's been pretty cool it's been pretty cool to see how everyone's wrestling mind goes because no no none of us are all going to agree and nor should we everyone watches different types of wrestling everyone appreciates different type of wrestling i think that's what's so cool about this voices of wrestling ballot thing um that they've done for a few years now because you get a lot of people in the wrestling industry to share their thoughts and put a real combined effort towards making this great list. So I'm going to go down mine and that'll be the end of our show. So uh, my 10th match on my list was Suri and Yoshiko versus best friends from Seed Letting. I don't know how to say this company's name. I truly C. Um, we're just gonna say C. Um, C. C. Lenning. I'm learning, okay. Um, but this was the first match I think I've seen from the brand, unless I've seen a Takumi Roja match, 
which is very possible. But this match, um, this match is fantastic. It is one of the best matches, tag matches of the year. This was the first time I got to see Sari, who is a WWE signee and will be supposedly heading over to the States at the end of January. So, actually, she's having her last match in Japan, I think, tomorrow. So, that's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, she te- she teamed with uh, Yoshiko, who, you know, showed up at stardom at the end of the year, last year. Um, and they faced off against the best friends. And I hear their rematch may even be better, but I love this match. Um, it was tag team excellence, which is a lost art, I think, for some people. Um and they, they pulled off the shock win, Sari and Yoshiko. So that was that was a really good match. And that is my number 10. Um, number 9, Mayu Iwatani versus Momo Watanabe from uh, the ninth anniversary show, the day after my birthday in 2020. Um, Mayu, this was really still the beginning of Mayu's run with the red belt. And, you know, these are my two favorites, so it was going to be tough for me to not have this on the list because I really like this match. I like how close Momo came to winning. She hit her finish, and Mayu just slipped out. And, you know, eventually Mayu was able to get the win. But these two showed their consistency that they tend to show every time out. And I think this was really what helped push forward how great Mayu's run was going to be with this title. Um, number 8, Queen's Quest versus Marvelous from uh, 928. This is a great six-woman tag. So great that, you know, you get all these Clash of Styles, Takumi Roja, and Momo have the best exchange. Maybe my favorite exchange of the year. Still waiting for that singles match, by the way. Please get better Takumi, because selfishly I want that match. Um, and ultimately, May is able to steal the win over Azumi, and I believe that's what leads to their championship match that they had at the end of the year. If I'm and uh, Sendai Cinderella, if I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken. But um, this was a great match. A great match. Um, it it really fills every wrestling fan's preference. You have the high speed um, parts. You have the kickboxing, physical, strong style part, and you just have you know your normal wrestling too. So I think this is this is a great match for anyone to watch. Number seven, Kazuchiko Kata versus Cody Ibushi for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship on night one. Of Wrestle Kingdom 14. I rewatched this match. I rewatched the Tetsuya Naito match that Okada had. And this to me just takes the cake. Um, yes, you had the finish where Naito finally won the big one at Wrestle Kingdom. But to me, this was simply the better overall match. Um, Okada and Ibushi told a phenomenal story that, you know, Kota came so close to achieving his dreams, but it's what led to this year-long fight back to that spot 
for him. And this was this was a classic Okada Wrestle Kingdom main event. Um, this is one of my favorites that he's ever had because his confidence is very much glowing in this, and I very much wish that. To me, this is his return to that confidence because the year before, he fought Jay White and lost. Um, it was a battle back for him, and getting this first match out of the way, night one, not missing a step, it was fantastic. It's one that everyone should check out if they haven't already. That was my number seven match. My number six match was Mayu Iwatani and Kagetsu versus Jungle Kiona and Momo Watanabe. This was the supposed to be the final match of Kagetsu's stardom career. Um, as we know, she ended up having that gauntlet. But this is phenomenal, phenomenal action from beginning to end. Uh, Mayu and Kagetsu matching with their tires just makes it all the much better. Um, and you, you continuously wondered who's going to win. That's something I really find important when it comes to these matches, especially when there's no title on the line. On the line, if you can draw me in and have me on the edge of my seat, even if there's nothing on the line necessarily, it makes it that much greater. And this was Kagetsu's goodbye. So everyone went all out, and it was a phenomenal match. Her hand-picked opponents... May we add, and I just love it. I love every second of it, so that's my number six. Number five is Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso from Clash of Champions. Uh, this is the ultimate storytelling match of the year. What they were able to tell in the ring mirrored a lot of what their story ended up being. Jey Uso was going to keep fighting and fighting, but Roman Reigns was that bully that the head of the table who would not and could not stop. Ultimately, it took Jimmy Uso throwing in the white towel for Roman Reigns to finally win, but it was pure bliss. Um, number four, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks from Revolution. This is a tag team match of the year. Um, when I saw it in February, I was pretty sold that it was going to hang that way, and I never have faltered from that um this this top four i've been pretty set on um we i said it at the end of last year and it just it's just the perfect tag team match to me um kenny and hangman ended up being a phenomenal team and the young bucks are the young bucks they're one of the best tag teams in the world every single year for a reason number three bailey versus sasha banks from hell in a cell i've said it once i've said it twice they are fantastic. These two can't have a bad match together. These two are the perfect rivalry of this new world of wrestling. They are WWE's big rivalry that followed all the ones we've had in the past, whether it be John Cena and Randy Orton, John Cena and CM Punk, Rock and Austin, the list goes on. This is the feud to define to define this era of WWE. And they showed that in this match. 
And number two and one, Mayu Iwatani versus Takumi Aroha from February. And number one, Mayu Iwatani versus Takumi Aroha from October. I have said time and time again how incredible these two matches are. They don't miss. They don't miss. Um, I love, I love what these two matches are. What they mean to me as a fan. They may, they, these two matches are part of the reason I'm still such a huge wrestling fan. Because at a time last year, I was pretty desperate to find a new avenue. Find something that can re-inspire my wrestling fandom and that ended up being stardom and these two matches are a portrait of why I'm remain a wrestling fan and I might be I might have the biggest fandom I've ever had now these two matches are spectacular they tell two different stories because Mayu Iwatani is a master at being able to do that. Takumi Aroha, I mean, what what can't we say about her? She is incredible. I can't wait till she is back because when she comes back, she's going to have an incredible, incredible return. But that is my Voice of Wrestling Match of the Year ballot for 2020. I would love to share if you want your thoughts. And I will also be going over who ends up winning ultimately, because it'll be very interesting to see how it breaks down. I'm really just, all I want is that Takumi Aroha and Mayu Iwatani match to rank high. That's all I want. Either one, both of them, they both should be on there. They're incredible. That's that. This was the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, Scotty Wrestling. I'll see you next week. Next week's Royal Rumble week. There's no better week. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Matabigaku de show, you